bullshit, it's all just um gay politics. America's gotten kind of whack, but we're not gonna let it go down like that, cause we got a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. We probably don't have all the facts, but we got opinions and we'll probably backtrack. That's why it's a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. Ooh, it's all shit, it's all shit. It's all shit. It's all shit. I mean, are we gonna die? I don't know. I, I, you're extreme. I am extreme. It's all shit. Uh uh. This shit is bananas. B A A A A S. This shit is Trumpanas. T R U M P A N A N A S. What? I don't know. I don't even know. Hey everybody, welcome to Dumb Gay Pandemic Politics. I'm Julie. And I'm Brandy. And this is the podcast where we talk about the week in coronavirus politics like we're talking about reality TV. Wow. And another fucked up week. It's just... I, uh, I mean, uh, the Gators funeral started on Wednesday at the Supreme Court. Meow, meow. Mm-hmm. Her casket was there for two days for people to pay their respects. Then on Friday, she was moved to the Capitol building. She was the first woman and the first Jewish person to have her casket in our nation's capital. And I know we've had a lot of funerals this year. Most recently, John Lewis's, which was like 10 days long and beyond intense. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, man. The Gators was really sad. Yeah. It was just like, I don't know if it was because, you know, John Lewis had sort of been such an such an icon for so long. And well, it, and, it, and it, it was such a large, large morning. And mm-hmm. whereas, you know, r- the Gators star RBG's star just rose so suddenly and much more recently. She's only been on the Supreme Court for 20 years, you know. Right. And it was just much more intimate. And and also, I think that the feeling, the sadness, too, that people are experiencing, experiencing is John Lewis didn't leave a vacancy that was scary. Like a yeah, he left an emptiness and obviously it's not, you know, shoes to be filled and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, her vacancy is of now can be filled with somebody who could potentially really, really hurt um, every single living woman. Yeah, I guess you're right. And just seeing really seeing people, individual people I- interact with the casket or mm-hmm. well, one thing that did. We got a package from Chloe Crockett that um, I got to say it did. It did help me in my feelings. I was like, oh, don't mind if I do pamper myself. So Chloe Crockett, who has um, one of our DGP podcast teenagers, Frankie Rose, a.k.a. Franklin Roosevelt, sent us a package from Naturopathica. Okay, here's what her message said. Brandy and Julie, when I say I listen to you guys at least two hours a day, it's no exaggeration. As an esthetician who is still unemployed due to COVID, my days are spent listening and laughing with you two while gardening here in Sonoma. I detest gardening, but we have 50 fruit trees and a million other plants, cannabis included. So I have to be out there watering to try and keep them alive in this heat. Without your entertainment, my entire yard would be dead. Um, and P.S., Chloe Crockett is able to listen to us two hours a day because she's a member of our Patreon podcast. (laughs) So if you need some company while you garden or shower or jog or clean or drive or lay on your couch or ignore your kids or whatever, (laughs) then you should join our Patreon. We we do two a week. There's no politics. Right. 
it, we no ads, none of none of this pressure to join the Patreon. It's just good, dirty, filthy, vulgar fun, and they're both an hour. You can do if you just want to do one, it's one dollar. If you want to do both Patreons, it's two dollars. That's eight Patreons a freaking month, yep. and that's what Chloe is living her best life <laughs> while she's watering her fucking pot plants in Sonoma. Amazing. Now, <laughs> I mean, you got to get in on it. Come yeah, on, it's a, it. it's a great deal. Look how great her life is. Her life is because amazing. Because of us. Because of us. Which everything she has, she she owes to us. If you join the Patreon, you too will have 50 fruit trees and a home in Sonoma. With a beautiful daughter. And also not to mention Chloe herself is beautiful. So this is all we're giving to people. <laughs> this is the beauty and the, the life that we are affording to people with our Patreon. That's for right. just a simple dollar a podcast. She goes on to say, since I just sent the postcards, I figured it was time for some goodies and as an esthetician I wanted to share some skincare treats. I sent some face masks and stress tea from Naturopathica to help with your internal and external glow. <laughs> there was no place to include a gift message on the shipment so I just wanted you to know where it came from. I hope it brings a little bit of joy and relaxation to your days inside as you two have brought to mine. Sincerely, I am so grateful for you both for keeping me entertained and keeping me engaged politically on the regular weed podcast. I just turned my mother-in-law onto your DGP podcast and she loves it. Wow. Hoping <laughs> one day we can host you at her oyster bar in San Francisco. Anchor oyster bar in the Castro. Been so there. Is Love it. And they have like wow. lobster rolls. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. So uh, for great food and way too much wine. Thank you. It's well, damn. It's I am sorry. We also provided her with a mother-in-law who owns a baller ass <laughs> oyster bar, a sick, cute hipster oyster bar in the Castro. And it truly does have great food. Like I was like, um, I'm sorry, Chloe. See you tomorrow. <laughs> Let your mother-in-law know. Get the oysters ready. I mean, I hope all of their family is OK and all of their friends and acquaintances with these fires. And I do have to say that it actually did um, bring me a little bit of joy and relaxation like during this week it was just me and RBG's casket while you were off at work my mouth <laughs> and I like I have been rocking the um, it's a it's man two Manuka honey masks and then it's this it's this tea and I like to do a soothing tea yeah you know? oh my god like yeah I get cracked out in the evening and I need a soothing tea Chloe right. and it's like we were in New Zealand and Manuka honey was like, it, oh, my God, it, it, it was it was it, off the walls and it was so expensive. Yeah. And Mama yeah. was like, what the fuck is this? And I was like, you've <laughs> never heard of that. And she was like, no. And it was like and I was like trying to like think, OK, well, let's just get some so you can see. And it was like, no, this is out of our price range. <laughs> I mean, we couldn't even get any. And that no. was in New Zealand where I guess it comes from or they have like a definitely well, how are they getting Manuka honey? They can get it in New Zealand yeah. and they were still charging like an arm and a leg. So. Definitely a very, very generous gift. And we I already have started using it. I use it every single night yeah. <laughs> so far. So I put it on my chest. I put it on my hands. I'm doing it all. So, Chloe, thank you. Thank you so much. Now, Sean Cunningham meow, meow, yeah. sent us a super cute picture postcard. Okay. It's a simple selfie. Oh, I love us just a simple headshot. But it, it's so cute and intimate. And honestly, can I tell you, I feel like it's the vibe. He's giving the vibe that I try and strive for when I take selfies alone, which is never. But like, it's kind of just like a, it's just like a sweet, 
I can't explain it. Like, or maybe when I do like my slate for commercials, like, hey, I'm Brandy. Hey, <laughs> Brandy Howard. Like, I don't know. He's got like, he's giving, I don't know. I like that selfie, Sean. I really do. Sean, you look like your um, hair is very soft. I like his eyebrows too. Like every, yeah. every <laughs> the facial hair, the <laughs> eyebrow, all of it looks like it's yeah. soft. And that's what he's doing with his face. That's mm-hmm. why I'm saying it's the, it's what the soft. It's the look of a selfie. It's like a soft mm-hmm. look. It's a soft, intimate look. And if you can capture that in your slate picture, Mamo, wow, then you're very approachable. Right. You can do. I don't think you I can have. do it, and then sometimes you can't. Sometimes you do too hard, <laughs> angry. Because if you, because you're a good actor, so if you want to do, but you can do a sweet look. Well, Sean. Well, sweet Sean. Sweet, sweet, sweet Sean. Sweet Sean. Uh, said this. Hi, Julie and Brandy. My thirsty ass just had to jump on the postcard bandwagon. I'm one of the original 14 and also a $2 Patreon subscriber. I can't even begin to tell you how much joy all three of your podcasts bring me each week, especially the Patreon ones. I was going to send a picture with my partner of 11 years, but instead I saved you time from cutting his ass out of the picture because he doesn't listen. You're welcome. Love you, girls. (laughs) Uh, now Sean real quick it's 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 neither here nor there because this selfie is everything to me so I don't need your partner Um, but we don't cut out partners or children or pets now children or pets don't listen either but they're part of your life so Uh we want they're unfortunately they're permanent part of your life so we want to know that so yeah we leave them what we cut out is friends and by the way I'm here to let Max Arno that his good Judy, she's been done clipped. <laughs> Max, I couldn't even take your old picture down where you're, where you're, the black and white one you sent. So now there's just two of you there and good Judy's gone. And so it's just you and you. You're, you're your own good Judy. Your younger self in black and white oh is God. your own good Judy. But yeah, so we're cutting out the fucking friends and the riffraff that you guys want to send <laughs> that we have previously left up because, you know, they look gay or whatever. But if they don't listen, they're gone. But if they're your partner and they don't listen, that's fine. And then we can talk shit about them. <laughs> that's what we also love to do. Right. Now, the last one we're going to do, Mamau, and we're over the time, but uh, we <laughs> we're doing it because Honora Greenwood Rodriguez dropped the fucking mic with this damn postcard. Okay. Okay. So... On one side, it's a picture of her. Her husband is sitting down and then there are two children. And I, you know, they're the it's looks like a toddler and then maybe like perhaps a four year old. On the other side is Obama kissing a baby Uh. on the head. Okay. (laughs) Now, the kids on the in the family picture and also. Anora and apparently I'm going to assume Mr. Rodriguez are so attractive. All four of them are very attractive. Anora, you are goddamn adorable. This baby that I can clearly see is this the <sighs> older little girl. I can just tell. With Obama, number one, my ovaries damn near fell out of my bottom wow. of my vagina. Like they're throbbing when I look at that baby. <laughs> that baby the shape of that baby's head, <laughs> the baby's lips. Mm-hmm. Then even when I go, I want to go, well, we have no idea if the baby's going to stay cute. Nope, she did because she's right over there, four <laughs> years old. Adorable as fuck. I can't even handle. So read the message, Memo. 
that baby. I know. I know. I'm telling you. Oh my god. I'm telling you. Oh my god. We're going over the time. People are oh like, get to god, the shit, and we baby. can't because that baby. Uh, new patron here, longtime fan though. Obviously adore you both. Pictured as me with my fam. I'm in the blue tights. The taller of the children is also the one being blessed by Obama when she was a baby back in 2014. The Obama photo belongs in your drug den, perhaps in its center. <laughs> yes. And you know what? Done and done. Uh, it's about to go up my vagina and try to inseminate <laughs> me with that baby. However, wow. Honora, we can't have her in the middle of our drug den bulletin board <laughs> unless we know her name. Mm. I'm already uh, obsessed with, with baby and kids names as yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To not include yeah. these, ugh, my two children's names here. I mean, that baby the baby is <laughs> she's gonna be named that cheeks, baby i'm the, surprised they don't her name's not that baby because people are like jesus should, that baby it should be that baby <laughs> that baby who's that baby and then once we know her name it'll be it's mm. i mean honora herself h-o-n-o-r-a uh, how beautiful is that beautiful that's so beautiful i yeah. love that if you are, I know you you're, you are a member of the Patreon, a new member, like you said. I highly recommend you go on and post this picture of that baby and Obama because <sighs> people are going to lose their lifestyles when they see this. <laughs> it is. I mean, I can't believe I can see Obama's watch. Oh, my God. His whole, his hand, his <laughs> arm, his, the, 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 all, it, all, the whole thing. The I whole can't thing, even have children now because this has already been done. <laughs> this, someone has this baby. It can't ever be mine. No. Obama, it will never kiss my baby, which no. is in this picture. No, it won't. And so someone already has my life and it's Honora. So, you know what? I well, need to know what my baby's name is. What is my daughter's <laughs> name? Okay. And apparently she's now six. I don't know when this photo was taken, but we know the baby was in 2014. So she's now six. Mm -hmm. That baby is now six. That baby, yeah. Now it's time for the shitty week in Corona. Guess what, bitch? <laughs> Coronavirus. Coronavirus. Shit is real. Shit is getting real. Shit is real. So, on this shitty week in Corona, the six Kentucky cops involved in the killing of Breonna Taylor in March got away with murder, getting to keep not only their freedom, but their jobs as police officers as well. Correct. So, Breonna Taylor's murder has been on the forefront of American news since May when George Floyd's murder by cops in Minneapolis finally put a permanent spotlight on the thousands of black lives that have been lost at the hands of the police. Here's a quick recap for anyone who's fuzzy on the details. Breonna Taylor was a 26-year-old black EMT who was killed when her Kentucky home was raided by Louisville police who entered her property unannounced in the middle of the night with a no-knock warrant. The warrant was for Breonna's boyfriend who was allegedly receiving shipments of drugs at her address or something such as nonviolence, just something around that. I don't know what he was involved in, but it was some kind of drug thing allegedly whatever not only is kentucky a state that allows firearms to be concealed and carried it is a stand your ground state which means it is perfectly lawful in kentucky to protect your person and your property with said firearms 
right. So when six cops from the Louisville PD used a fucking battering ram to break down Brianna Taylor's door in the middle of the night, while she and her boyfriend were asleep in bed, her boyfriend had his gun ready to defend his person and his property, as is his lawful right to do so. But when the racist, lying, murderous cop pigs saw the gun, they unleashed 900 gazillion bullets into the room, shooting Brianna Taylor multiple times in her bed and killing her. Her boyfriend, who was unharmed, called 911 and said, somebody kicked in the door and shot my girlfriend. After that, he was taken away in handcuffs and later indicted for attempted murder of a police officer. So for months, social media has been ablaze with the hashtag say her name, demanding that the cops who killed Brianna Taylor be arrested and charged. I'm sure we've all seen, you know, say her name. We've all heard arrest the cops who killed Brianna Taylor. It's been everywhere. It's the country is on fire for this. It's quite simple, actually, you know, and not to put it in terms of like cancel culture, but when social media gets on fire to cancel someone, I mean, Nick Cannon got fired. You know what I mean? It's like they get canceled. Why? Because it's easier just to cancel them than to go and be like, this is what's right. It's like the country was on fire for these men to be arrested. This woman was asleep in her bed and she was an EMT. She was a young girl. The country wants him arrested. Go ahead and arrest him. Read the fucking room. But of course, of course. So last week, a Kentucky grand jury was set to announce their decision regarding if any of the three officers that were directly involved would be charged. So six went in the door. Three had fired their weapons into mm-hmm. the room. On Tuesday, in the lead up to the announcement, the mayor of Louisville declared a state of emergency in the city in order to like shut down the streets and put up blockades and do curfews and everything to prevent protests. So federal troops were on notice, blah, blah, blah. And with that, it became very evident that the announcement was not going to be good. You don't prepare for a violent protest unless you know you're going to cause one. Exactly. And on Wednesday, Kentucky's useless, corrupt, trash heap of an attorney general, Daniel Cameron, announced that none of the officers would be charged for murdering Breonna Taylor while she was unarmed in her own bed. Although no one was surprised, they were still pissed off. From the view to the streets, people were talking shit about Louisville's corrupt attorney general, Daniel Cameron. He's a 34-year-old black Republican who has zero trial experience, but apparently he's an old pro at selling the fuck out. So despite the state of emergency declaration, protests broke out in Louisville anyway, and also New York, Washington, Oregon, and California. I'm glad we are fucking holding it down. (laughs) I'm glad. And thanks to the protesters bravely and tirelessly keeping her legacy alive, even after the system, and by system I mean corrupt government and police unions, failed them and her again, someone, Memmao, leaked body cam footage, which has been spread all over social media, of the officers on the scene, like the next day or that week, illegally entering the crime scene. Oh my God. Asking questions, contaminating the evidence, and breaking several other required protocol that you have to do in an active investigation involving like a pedestrian death. Like they they always have to have an escort. Right. Like, ju- I mean, when we go to the doctor, right? Mm-hmm. The doctor can't even be alone in a room with us. God forbid we get fingered by the doctor. Right. It's exactly like that. Once you've killed someone now on the scene of a crime and you're a cop, it's like 
now someone's investigating it. Right. Now you're being, you, yes. if you're going around, you have someone with you have an escort. Right. They were all over the place, up in the shit, bugging on. People were like, uh, get out of here. <laughs> I mean, it was clear that whoever leaked it, I mean, you can already hear supposedly on the body cam footage them being like, um, you're going to need to go. Like, you're not supposed to be here. But not only that, it's like, well, obviously they were over you since they clearly leaked the fucking footage. Oh, and who leaked the footage? I mean, who gets the foot? Whoever it is, is the body footage clerk. When they, I guess when they end their shift, they have to like download <laughs> their body cam footage. You know what I mean? It's that kind of job. And you're like downloading them, downloading them down. And then you're like, what the fuck? But and that seems like, so. What asshole? Seems so obvious that they would get caught. Or it's like the person who was there was like, I'm here to let you know they came right up in there and they were planting shit. And then it's like, okay, how do we get the proof of this? I mean, I don't even know. Even with George Floyd and all this shit, it's like somehow my brain like short circuits out at the true reality that not only are you like committing blatant murder with with zero recourse, mm -hmm. there is an active blatant and profound cover up going on of every one of these murders like this is a full in-depth cover up from like top to bottom the attorney general on down and it also feels like it's not even being covered up it feels like it's being um explained it feels like it's being defended it feels like it's being justified yeah. it feels like it's being rationalized it like, feels sorry, like it's not being, sorry hashtag sorry not listen, sorry listen we're police and we it's like every law that kentucky has starting with the concealed weapon with stand your ground with everyone gets to have guns and everyone gets to defend themselves including the police don't have any consequences they're immune from anything because they have a warrant so they have a legal warrant they went into the house i was scared there was a woman sleeping in the bed i had to shoot her eight times Okay, and then he shot the police because he's got a gun. Well, you never can shoot at the police no, no. matter what. So now you're going to jail. But you don't so know who's coming a, through. He said, that's who is what I'm it? Saying. who's there? Who's there? Who's there? You they want to bang in the door they and get shot at. Of they course. want that. Yeah. Yes. So the corruption knows no bounds and it also knows no shame. And there's, right. no, there's no amount of shaming that we can do to change it. I'm, I would assume until this administration is gone. I don't know, but I we are experiencing what it's like to live. Well, the administration's not going to. I mean, these police unions have a stranglehold. And I mean, kudos to any of our 14 listeners who live in Kentucky. You're fighting the good fight. You're out there. You're doing it. It can't be easy, man. No. Like, and you are. It's an up at dawn fucking at the corner store being like fuck you and i know it's not easy like it's a line down the middle in kentucky man and there's good people there and then there's such fucking garbage assholes and the good people there you know unfortunately don't seem like they're the ones with money and they're so powerless and anyone who who's listening that lives there like we know you're you're trying kentucky is a big big bummer man like for me like thinking mm -hmm. about yeah Charles Booker and saying they have the the highest rate of poverty mm -hmm. and just people that are stuck 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 and then you've and, got this shit and now we're all watching and it's like who would have ever thought like we, the world is watching and we all With know what happened they're demanding Dem arrest the cops who who killed Brown and Taylor just do it the police unions have more power than straight up fucking democracy you killed someone we demand you be charged we demand it. And you didn't just kill someone. You went into someone's house when they didn't know you were there. You're in a state where they can defend their home and their person legally. 
they didn't know who the fuck you were and you entered who and who thinks to enter someone's house whether you're a cop or not that's how much hubris they have that's how much arrogance they have how much power they're wielding that they can i'm just going to go into their house it doesn't matter who's there i know that we, they have guns here and if they shoot at me i'm going to kill everyone in there too bad i'm a cop i mean i know that people are sick of hearing about fucking nazis but this is this is um, this is what it's like they can come into your house they can take what they want they put a fucking label on you and they'll do whatever they want to you you have absolutely no rights at all that's what's going on there So we're all fucked up over Breonna Taylor and wondering why the police are like this. So now it's time for Quarantine Skew. We don't need no education. We don't need no thought control. Now it's time for Brandy and I to ride our tiny bicicleta to skew. This is our segment called Time for Skew, where a live person teaches us something. And today we're going to learn everything we can in 30 minutes about the history of the police in America, a.k.a. when and where and why was the first American police department started? And how the hell did it become such a powerful American institution that is unpunishable, ungovernable (laughs) and apparently unstoppable? And our quarantine teacher for the day is one of YouTube's greatest educators, Mr. B. Now, for the record, we love riding our tiny bicicleta to skewer. And we've learned so much from all of our past teachers. But our teacher today, Mr. B, is an actual teacher. Like, as his job. He's not just a YouTube sensation. He's literally a high school social studies teacher. For real, the man stands in a room, or he used to before coronavirus, and he teaches teenagers about American history and economics. He's a renegade, he's a role model, and he's a goddamn revelation. And not for nothing, you guys know that I hate men. But I'm low-key obsessed with Mr. Beat. It's true. Meow Meow has had a lesbian crush on Mr. Beat ever since July when I serendipitously found his videos on YouTube after Nick Cannon got wrongly fired from Fox for wrongly saying some inappropriate and wrong (laughs) shit about Jewish people controlling all the money. And apparently the Jewish people he was referring to were in the Illuminati and their name was the Rothschilds. Now, just so you guys know, we were and forever are on Nick Cannon's side, period. We love him and we will stand by his crazy talk to the bitter end. And even though everyone knows the Illuminati is run by Jay-Z and Beyonce, (laughs) we definitely don't think he should have been fired. Of course not. But we all learned something important that fateful day. Nick Cannon learned that Jews are scapegoats <laughs> and Brandy and I learned that there are people on YouTube that don't suck and that one person <laughs> is Mr. Beat. So when you're ready for your meal, 
As an amuse-bouche, we recommend that you start with his video entitled, What's Up With All The Rothschild Conspiracies? And for the main course, we suggest you order for your dad, How Did Feminism Start? <laughs> but it's not dinner time yet. It's time for us to learn the history of the police in America. So without further ado, please welcome our teacher for the day, Mr. Beat. Hi, Hi Mr. Beat. <laughs> Well, hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Now, the main thing is we don't want to get you fired. So <laughs> hopefully, I don't know. No one listens to this. We only have 14 <laughs> listeners. So that's the good. That's the good part. Right. Oh, that helps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's just get into it. I'm in your class. I'm ready to go. Here is our first question. So, you know, we never think about the police. But in light of everything that's going on, we've been thinking a lot about them lately. So our question is, where did they come from? Yeah, so it's kind of crazy. It's actually a relatively new thing, like the idea of a police officer. Um, if you look at most of world history, like going back to ancient China, the Babylonians, you know, uh, ancient Greece, they did have like people that would go around kind of enforcing the rules. And, and then you jump ahead to like maybe the Middle Ages and, and you see what they start to call them night, night watchmen. Have you ever heard of that term, night watchmen? No, not no. heard the term I mean, night watchmen. Can I just interject that? Um, I don't know if you are familiar with the song WAP, but I know Julie got one when you said <laughs> ancient China. Like I just, the woman is like losing her shit over there. Like God, I'm going to have to like, like hire you as a tutor for like three hours. She's already so into it. <laughs> oh, I okay. was it from the from the moment you said ancient. I was like, oh. Right. Um, okay, so no, nice. we haven't heard of night. I mean, I I certainly haven't. I did not hear of night watchmen. No. Yeah, no, it's pretty fascinating. They were uh, people that uh, essentially, well, they were either volunteers or sometimes they were like, this was their punishment. They had to do it because they were they got in trouble with mm -hmm. the law. But they were just stayed up all night and made sure that, you know, everybody was safe, that there was no shenanigans going down. Uh, if there was a fire, they, they would alert everybody and wake everybody up. Hey, go put out the fire. Or, or uh, yeah. You mean like, get, like, like get the smallest bowl you can find, <laughs> run to the river, put the water yeah. in it, run back, and then put it on the house. Pretty much. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, no, uh, I mean. But who was, what were the, even like the like like what where, shenanigans because and what were the laws rape, rape was allowed yeah right right yeah yeah so the laws were different i mean obviously uh we've our moral standards uh have changed but but yeah i mean people that were disrupting things that were trying to steal or maybe drunkards in the street that were getting violent or um but you know it wasn't anything formal and then actually the in terms of what we what we think of as the police, for hundreds of years, pretty much it was just like people would hire people to be like a police force. So they basically people that had a lot of money would pay people uh, for security. It was private security, um, and so it wasn't until we really like the 1600s you start to see something resembling a police force. And this is a uh, in Paris. Uh, they had the the Paris Police Prefecture, which was their official. This is the first time where, like, the city is like, we're going to have a police force for everyone, not just the people that pay or just certain. Because this is the first, like, Paris was one of the first big cities that 
kind of like had to worry about this. If it was just a small village, you didn't have to really, like a night watchman was just fine. So they had a police force, but then get this, uh, they dissolved. They got rid of the police force in Paris during the French Revolution. Yeah, they were like, we're going to go ahead and chop your heads off, too. We're good. We're yeah, good. So you yeah. Go get out the way. We're chop, chop, chop. See you later. Mm-hmm. But they brought it back, uh, you know, after the, that kind of settled down. And But, yeah, we, I know you want to know about the United States. No, but that makes sense because we, or I would say Julie, uh, initially thought that they came from England. Right, Mamma? That's right. I just said until we were going to talk to you about it, just thinking that when I think about the police, the earliest image of a police officer I have is like of one from London or England, like going back there. So I don't and obviously it's like, OK, we've got soldiers of all kinds throughout history, but never an actual police officer. So I just always thought they just sort of came from England. Yeah, uh, they also like London also had police uh, going back probably around the same time as Paris. Um, I mean, really, though, I didn't really like become more of a a organized professional thing in London, I think, till the 1800s. You know, in in colonial times, we did not have anything resembling a police like today. Yeah, oftentimes just private merchants, they would hire people. And uh, so I think... If you were to take a guess as, as to uh, what was the first major city to actually have a police force, what would you be? What would be the city that you guess would would have had it? Okay, wait a minute. Let me. Okay, you can't see us. You right. can't see us, but one of us is going to raise our hands. Yeah. Okay, let me think. Um, well, we kind which, of know the answer now, like just from all of the you know the people that we've talked to right. recently. But uh, okay. I definitely would have thought. Um, on the on the England tip that they just came with that the whole tradition of it came with like they came over the on the Mayflower yeah exactly shit. there was police on there and it was like okay here's the bakers right. here's the people that make yeah. jewelry and here's right. the police officers right well had I not known now the discussion of what's going on you know that we're being informed about with everything with um, Black Lives Matter and and the you would say Boston slavery I would have said Boston yeah yeah I mean Boston was the first as far as actual like what we think of today with uh, an organized police force that's there for the the public good like it was and the thing that's kind of messed up about it is like it was basically people that they were they were tired of paying for a police force privately and so they're like let's just get taxpayers to pay for it and they were their big reason why this actually shifted to um you know uh, to work for the government um it was yeah so like God, I mean, no one in Boston ever wanted to pay for shit. <laughs> they were just like, we're not paying for tea. We're not paying the king. We're not paying anything. They just what they wanted it all and didn't want to pay for anything. So then what was the what's the what's the connection with um, with the poli- policing and sla- and uh, slavery? OK, good. So, by the way, it was 1838 that Boston got that. Uh, their official police department. Okay, yeah. So at the same time, around the same time that Boston starts their police department, um, they in the South, um, they start to have a police force that's primarily just there to catch runaway slaves mm. and to um, kind of keep mo- keep an eye on um, the slaves to make sure they don't revolt, because after the Nat Turner Rebellion and all these other. Uh, well, I mean, they see what happens 
uh, in other parts of the world where slaves are starting to rise up, um, like Haiti, mm-hmm. um, they're like, oh, we're freaking out here. Let's, so they have a regular police force. That's their main job in the South. Um, and especially after the, the Fugitive Slave Act is passed in, uh, in 1850, that's when there's, it's actually becomes profitable to, because they will, pay rewards to catch runaway slaves and so and okay so in boston they weren't they were dealing just with their own shit they wanted to have laws enforced or whatever not to do with slavery but to do with their own and they wanted the tax they want yeah they wanted the taxpayers (laughs) their white privilege was let's have let's let's (laughs) have or let's pay taxes for this and have the tax right which then and then around the same time (laughs) in the south the white privilege was like oh we need to keep these people oppressed and slaves we're gonna sort of create like a bounty hunter type situation and we're gonna try and track them down and that basically this is where the birthing of policing started in terms of yeah like uh working for city governments yeah like because there it's not like there weren't people that enforced the law it just wasn't like organized like it is today until the you know the 1800s and really it wasn't until about like the 1880s when you start to see it pretty much in every major city in the country Mm. and it kind of gets based on what you you two were just saying um so yeah there was a bunch of immigrants that came over beginning in the 1870s or 1860s 1870s you know and and these these immigrants were you know catholic they were irish they were from eastern europe italy and so they scared the uh the nativists the people that were already in the United States. And so, uh, sadly, uh, a lot of the police organizations were formed in reaction to these new type of immigrants that were coming over. You know, also the 1880s is an exciting time because you, that's when you start having the, um, the labor unions rise up and start organizing these huge strikes and protests. And But that's also why the police uh, seems to be more of a needed um, organization in, like, reaction to that. And so, yeah, by the end of the 1800s, that's when you start to see um, more police in general. But still, they're like they're not; uh, <laughs> they're still pretty corrupt in a lot of cities. Like they're still fairly like not respected as a profession because they know that like they, the police can be bribed and they can mm. be. Um, they, a lot of times, they were working with gang leaders, and you know, kind of like it is in certain parts of the world right now. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like here, and it sounds the same. <laughs> oh, people are scared of immigrants, and the police are corrupt. I'm like, wow, it's like nothing has changed. No time has even passed. Mm-hmm. Was their main thing enforcing slavery laws, and and then like like with immigrants, or were they really? Because you could just get, couldn't you just get murdered in like the late 1800s, and like it wasn't even. And couldn't you just murder someone and then just walk on home? <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah, I stabbed someone in the alley. <laughs> well, you know, if you were power- rich and powerful enough, you probably could get away with that. I mean, it's it's sad to say, but, like, we do take for granted today. I mean, I know we have issues today with um, corruption and, and and government officials and police, certain police. But, I mean, it was more widespread back then. It was definitely um, a lot worse. And it wasn't... Uh, I, I would say it began to shift during the progressive era when uh, not just politicians, but also um, the police were held more accountable because citizens demanded it basically. And they had more um, power with voting and referendums and recalls and all of that. Um, when was the progressive so that, era? 
What time period is so that? So the progressive era, well, it depends on the historian, but most people say it's around the time between like 1890s to uh, right up until essentially the uh, when the amendment, the 19th Amendment um, gave women finally the right to vote in 1920. That was kind of the end of it, and then you get to the Roaring Twenties, and then it's back to laissez-faire time. But, I wonder uh, if we're about to go into the Roaring Twenties here. Or are we going oh. back into... Oh, yeah, because we're in the 20s. Yeah, because if we think of the 90s to, to now 2020, I was thinking, like, I wonder what our what the progressive era would be in, like, modern history or, like, right mm, now. Mm. Like, if it would be starting now mm-hmm. or... I don't know. It's just... It's, it's kind of hard it's, to tell. I, it might yeah. be starting... Because I, I would say that if you look at the last 20 years, or especially 30 years, it's been very similar to the late 1800s in terms of wealth inequality and the fact that um, you had much more, basically, money that was in politics. um, That was something that, you know, the political machines really ran things in the late 1800s. They pretty much, there was, you know, we we do complain about how bad it was. It was 10 times worse. (laughs) But then, but somehow people sneak in that were actually good. Like Theodore Roosevelt was interesting because he was a, he was extremely wealthy. He was part of the privileged class, but then he was a guy that's just like, no, I'm gonna actually try to get um, universal health care. Did you know that? Hell no, no. <laughs> God no. Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt <laughs> called for universal health care. <laughs> yeah, really... he was a radical. Wow. Uh, so yeah, the, the police became more professional beginning in the progressive era, and that's when they started wearing you know uniforms and Mm. there was more of a hierarchy within the police force and you had to earn certain ranks and stuff like that and then when it's kind of ironic that they were birthed sort of 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 you know policing the the union riots and union whatever protests and then when did they start becoming unionized is this the time when they got unionized yeah it was also around that time uh which you know (laughs) I think there were unintended consequences. I mean, unions, a lot of times, the the first place it does make sense um, is for people that work for government, you know, like teachers and firefighters or police. It makes sense because, you know, a lot of times there's not the incentive there to raise wages or improve working conditions for government employees. But I think police unions did definitely... Uh, gain a lot of power over the decades. And so we still see that today with, you know, while most unions have kind of lost power over the decades, um, police unions, have they still have a lot of leverage. What happened with the police? I mean, we know, you know, the Teamsters and there's unions people know about and we're familiar with and we've heard about. When it comes to police unions, how did they become so, A, powerful and B, corrupt? Yeah. I think it's just a matter of they... So our our societies have really come to um, rely on police forces and and especially public perception because we, for some reason, well, it makes sense. People assume that, like, without a police force, um, we would all just start, you know, it would be like that, that movie The Purge, you know, where everyone just turns right. crazy and uh, starts killing each other. But I, I, I really... I don't think society would be like that. I think everything would pretty much go on. Yeah. But the thing is, uh, it's the culture and like mainstream culture. And I think this starts, this is, there's a, I mean, I really think the, 
Colin Ka- Kaepernick, it kind of it kind of symbolizes that. Like it's and it ties over to the military. So the people just assume that he was disrespecting the troops, and then also this whole right, this blue lives matter thing, where like you see people with blue lights lit, lit up in their yard, like all this like we have th- never once <laughs> seen that. Is that a thing going on well, in, I'm Kansas? in Kansas? Wow. We didn't know yeah, that yeah. was a thing. No. We really didn't. Do you think there's something about the being the police, the entire police force born out of reactionary reaction, 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 and or fear? I mean, it's literally like the police was created out of people's fear. And then the unions were created out of the police fear. And now we have everybody in <clears throat> fear. And, a, and it's like, that's really good. What? Thank you. Oh, oh my God. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> so like, Get a room, you two. <laughs> but now, now we're in this situation, though, where like no one, the, the police are, un, like we said at the beginning, they become untouchable. They're. They have, they have so, so much, much lobby- power. They're lobbying power, right? And and is it? And it's like it's it's we at this point we don't even know where the fear ends and it begins. And so how are we supposed to have? How can we have any reform? Well, and I mean, uh, yeah, if you want to get elected to local politics, like city council or mayor, a lot of times you got to have a police union on your side. If not, you're not going to get elected. And so that would have to change. You'd have to have a bunch of people across the country, not just in like a handful of cities along the west coast or east coast that actually are not afraid of these police unions and they're willing to actually make bigger reforms until then it's i don't think it's, it's going to happen and also and then it just goes all the way into directly into washington too if you're running for senate and you're you know be a senator in your state you're I gonna mean, have it, to have them on your side right it literally feels like mm-hmm. everybody's paying to keep them powerful it really does seem like it's white privilege i yeah. mean you know what i mean that they're trying that's what they're holding on to like what else are they because well, what else what else are you afraid of you tell us Mr. I think B. Main, let the teacher talk yeah meow well i would just say like the, the main the main purpose of government in general is to protect and and to keep us safe and so if you just ask anybody, they would say, yeah, that makes sense, you know. And so that's why there's never any hesitation for – it doesn't matter what your political party is, but when it comes to the military budget at the federal level, like, right. just, that budget just keeps going up and up and up. And yep. there's so much waste, but they don't care, like, because that's the one thing that everybody agrees on, no matter what, if you're Democrat or Republican. And, it, and same thing with the police. It's like that's why people are just, like, in shock how – can you find the police? Like, <laughs> you want anarchy. You are insane. Right. Like, uh, and so there kind of needs to be a shift in just like what we think. Uh, that's why I'm glad that you two are doing this episode. It's kind of, I was, I was uh, excited to kind of dive into this topic because uh, it does need to be discussed more. Something we haven't really talked about yet, I guess, is the, um, the war on drugs. And I think that's something that's really mm. critical piece of the puzzle. Um, mm actually probably the biggest piece of the puzzle because yeah if you look at law enforcement uh for the last 50 years richard nixon started the war on drugs um essentially a way to um target the anti-vietnam protesters and uh people of color and uh you know anyone else that that was going against the agenda and so like it was a sneaky way to just lock a bunch of people up and it just escalated in the 1980s and it if you look at so many of the problems related to the police, like think about something like stop and frisk. I actually have a video about uh, the case Terry v. Ohio, which is what essentially gave more power to police in terms of being able to to profile and to assume that somebody is 
perhaps committing a crime, and then it gives the police the power to, like, yeah, if they have an assumption there, then they can stop and frisk somebody and overwhelm the people of color that are stopped and frisked. And then if you ask an, an individual police officer who's almost always a good person, okay, you ask this person, you, like, why are you more likely to stop and frisk somebody who's um, African-American or Hispanic or Latino, he'll say, uh, well, because they're the ones who commit more of the crimes. And I, my head about explodes all, every time I hear that. Think about it. It's not because they commit more of the crimes. It's because they're arrested more. And this has been the case for decades. They, there's no evidence that um, people of color use drugs or sell drugs more than whites. And yet they are arrested more. And it's been like this for so long. I think we're starting to see, um, you know, changes. It's, Starting with the legalization of marijuana, um, I think that the culture's changed overall. Like even like somebody like my grandma, she's like, "Oh yeah, I guess they can legalize marijuana." <laughs> Is it legal in Kansas? That, no, we'll be the last state to legalize it, but <laughs> it's going to happen though. It, by the end of the decade, it'll be legal everywhere. And I think that also just what countries like Portugal are doing with decriminalization and just. Sure, it's bad to use drugs, but it's also bad to eat a bunch of sugar, and it's also bad to jump off a cliff paragliding. So, what's your point? Like, it's a. So, I think that people are understanding that more, and I think that's going to be the beginning. I mean, obviously, there's other issues as well, but how did uh, you how did up. you you get like this in the in the heartland <laughs> of America? Like, you must have some damn good mother or something. Uh, my parents are wonderful. Uh, they they definitely have. I am surrounded by conservatives. That's just how it is. But uh, I, I don't consider myself to be really any label. I, I kind of, I'm one of those. I think at a very young age, though, that just constantly question things, and so that's gotten me into trouble. But at the same time, it's because I, I never get too comfortable, even with my own beliefs. I'm always questioning myself. So I think that just helps. Like to be never satisfied with any answer. And you don't, you don't get in trouble with your class. It's not that you are like obvious in any direction politically on YouTube. It's more just that you're so um, not sexist, most importantly. And I don't know how that goes over in Kansas. Like, do you try, do you try and like temper that stuff for your class or no, you, you can be however you want and nobody gets mad at you. Like, stop trying to teach our kids to be nice to uh. women. I mean, yeah, there, sometimes there is some, I do have to deal with upset parents occasionally because mm -hmm. they, they're not even aware of the standards that we have to teach. Cause I, I don't get to choose what content we, we, uh, go over really. I mean, I, I get it. I get to choose what we focus more on as far as, uh, certain events, but generally every, every school in the state has the same standards. And, but I mean, I think it helps that I'm just always playing devil's advocate and so that's why, yeah, most most of my students have no idea where I stand politically, and that's what where I want to keep it. Even with YouTube, it's funny because I <laughs> I went on my my Reddit subreddit the other day, and there's like someone's like, okay, so what's up? What's the deal with Mr. B? Why does it like what are his political views? Everybody always wants to know, and I'm just like, they just want to put a label on me, and I don't like that. I think that's actually the root of a lot of our problems with tribalism is we're automatically putting labels on people, so. Yeah, we always wondered if your videos are they inspired by your syllabus or what you're required to teach. You're like, well, God, I know so much about this shit now. Let me do this or like, where do your ideas come from? Well, I would say 
some of them are curriculum based um, or I see a need like, well, there's no good video about this specific topic the kids need to know. But, but more and more, it's like mostly just my own curiosity or my audience if they want to see something. And I mean that I have a whole series that's just basically my compared series. That's just <laughs> driven by my own curiosities because I want to travel to these places and I can't. So I'm just like, ah, I'll just make a video about them and it gives me an excuse to learn everything I, I could possibly ever learn about them. Now, really quick, do you do you, all your students watch the videos and then just come in like being all like dorky and into it? Like, are you like, <laughs> hey, Mr. Reed, <laughs> um, hi, um, I watched your video last night. Um, I, I actually am really into AV and um, I was wondering if you needed someone to help you edit and maybe make some videos too. <laughs> I'm like really uh, good with this kid with my iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> No, they, most of them couldn't care less about my videos. They're bored. <laughs> and when I force them to watch them in class, there's a, there's some of them. They're like, oh, this is really cool. You, you know, alternate history hub. But, but yeah, like most of them couldn't care less. Like, it's just kind of funny. Now you have two, two daughters, right? Yes. A wife, two cats and a full-time job. You're, you're pretty prolific with this video, mate. How, how are you having time <laughs> even to just bother with this dumb idiot podcast? <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of why I wanted to do this in the morning so I could actually see my family this afternoon. But yeah, like I just don't sleep that much during the school. I mean, when, during the lockdown in April, I was actually very productive. <laughs> we were doing online schooling and I was getting a lot done and I... Yeah, we'll see how long I can keep this up before I go crazy, but it's, uh, it's, it is tough. <laughs> Good. I'm going to let it inspire me. Yeah. You know, just like we, we need to get some work done. I, we definitely like you're, you're just, you're definitely an inspiration period. And then last question before we let you go, where do you get your news and like all of the information that you put in your videos? I guess those are two different things. Do you watch the news mm. at all or read the news? Well, I try to avoid it. Um, definitely, I, I try to avoid television news. Um, uh, on Google News, I try to set something up so I can see different sources. And then um, there's different websites where you can actually see um, a variety of sources on one topic that, from all points of view. Like uh, there's an app called News Voice. Um, they, they basically give you the headline of and then they show you underneath all these different sources of the same story like mm -hmm. left-leaning right-leaning center um what the british are saying about it and with that honestly bbc that's one of my favorite sources is because a lot of times because they're outside of the whole game that they have a more accurate interpretation <laughs> like look at this freak show in america yeah <laughs> you know? there used to be this youtube channel called idea channel i was a big fan of and there's an episode where he talks about um about fake news and what really stood out to me in that video was like if you uh, it's one thing to get angry at something when you're watching it but if you're getting angry with something that's when you need to stop watching it because <laughs> oh. like tucker carlson like my dad will watch tucker carlson and he'll get angry with it when he watches it mm. and that's like okay that's time to stop talk, time to pull the plug <laughs> on tucker i love that if you're getting angry well then i know we're probably doing good because we get furious at even cnn <laughs> just like god yeah. jesus yeah. what about just as far as the history sources when you're researching topics is it just basically you're on there googling just or are there certain history sites or sources for that that you like to go dorky to? i love that that's your question yeah, yeah this is no, Julie's yeah. personal question <laughs> <laughs> it, i try to um what i do is try to go to a variety of sources no matter what it is and uh, 
I, I mean, I do have quite a like a dorky book collection, of course. Um, <laughs> but I mean, uh, and so many great ideas are trapped in books. So that's what, one of my missions is to get them out there in video form. But mm. obviously, corroboration is important. Like if you're if you see a variety of sources and they're they're getting certain facts consistently across, like with my Supreme Court briefs videos, um, that's a good example because. You know, you'd think that just going to the Wikipedia page, you'd have the full story, but it's amazing how many details are left out from that. And I'm a big Wikipedia fan, actually. I, I say it's a great place to start your research, uh, and I tell my students that as well. But, I mean, you have to keep, you have to dig deep enough, and you do have to go down some rabbit holes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. we appreciate all the work you're doing. I mean, honestly, like, and, and we, it's, it's important, especially where you are. You're right. You're in the heartland, and it's it just feels good knowing that there's somebody there. Just if nothing else, just being neutrally trying to just get that red state a little and more to be purple. understanding of all of the information <laughs> yeah. of the facts and to be understanding right and to teach all sides. So, um, with that yeah. said, before we this is the one last thing I asked Julie, what was the one thing if she could only ask you one thing <laughs> about you know not about the police, what she would ask you. And she said, my question for you today is, what do you think is the biggest misconception about the founding fathers? That was the question she wanted to ask you. Oh, uh, yeah, no, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, I, I do think um, the founding fathers are misunderstood by people from all over the political spectrum. But I think the biggest thing like that I hear is that they were, um, that they founded a Christian nation, that they, that, that, you know, kind of the whole Christian nationalism thing is that, that I think they were quite clear, people like Thomas Jefferson and others that were like, you know, we, we should have a wall between church and state. And sure, most of them were Christian. Uh, Jefferson himself was a deist. And uh, they were pretty clear, many of them were clear that we were meant to separate um, the government and religion. And I think that there's a lot to, of folks today that want to just say, oh, no, we, uh, we were only founded on Christian values, you know. So, <laughs> God, that was the <laughs> best know. answer you could have ever given. I mean, whops, whops <laughs> all around, Mr. Beat. Wow. I mean, like, honestly, I, I, I can't. It was it's just, it's just such a such a great such a great answer i love it yep i know julie does too she has tears in her eyes <laughs> we love you a lot more than you love us and honestly like thank you so much for doing this hopefully our 14 listeners you guys have to check out his videos because god yep. knows we didn't do him justice with this now so tell our 14 listeners where they can find you and get all the joy oh yeah you just search mr beats uh and, and it, what will pop up is mr beast and says like did you mean mr beast like no it's just mr beats b-e-a-t because Mr. Beast is a, a much bigger YouTuber than me and uh, much cooler than I am. But that's okay. Uh, you'll find me. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much. Honestly, yep. you're the best thing that happened to us during coronavirus. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Now it's time for So There's That.
right, so this is the part of the show where Julie has to find a so there's that moment that's happening because of or in spite of the giant zombie pandemic nightmare that we are all living in right now. She's always hated doing it, but it goes without saying that it's been beyond hard for her in COVID-20, especially this week after Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. And all we want to do now is quit the podcast and drink full time for the next five weeks until (laughs) after the election. The suspense is killing us. So, meow, meow, we need the little ray of light that you give us in this segment to thaw out our cold, bitter, cynical souls. So tell us, did you find a so there's that for this week? Barely, mm-hmm. barely, and this is by the skin of my fat. Okay, is this going to be a hot mess? Hot. Okay. <laughs> mess. Okay. Buckle up, everybody. Buckle <laughs> up. It's, it's going to be gonna a be curvy. A, yeah. From one end of the <laughs> town right. to the other, like wow, that was a leap. I've slept two hours all <laughs> week, and this is this is how it's going to go. Well. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, and I was whining and complaining to you the other night. I can't, I can't, we can't just, there's no point. There's just no point anymore. Nothing matters. However, there we are, right? Crying about RBG. We're watching the funeral, blah, blah, blah. I, it, it, uh, uh, and, and, uh, and uh, a clip comes on mm-hmm. of the casket. A man gets down on the ground and does push-ups in front of the casket. In a suit. In a suit. And we were like, who is that? What is going on? Why is this happening? Turns out that was RBG's trainer. His name is Brian Johnson. And upon going into the rabbit hole of Brian Johnson, I have found um, my uh, our light at the end of the shit tunnel for the week. And it's it's called Brian Johnson. Well, we did cry. Yes. At the clip <laughs> when we figured out that that was her trainer. And we've heard, you know, things about her trainer. And he really, he really touched the heart, the heartstrings by doing that, man. Like it was just a very, very specific narrative on who the gator was and how she affected people and how... Mm-hmm how people affected her and how she connected with people even on every she's one of those people that no matter what celebrity and this is true of any celebrity that dies in the thirst buckets but everybody felt special when they met her everybody felt like they had a connection that little memento yes was just a chef's kiss (laughs) and it was i mean if only someone would get down i mean i hope someone a bodybuilder of sorts walks in front of your casket and rips a deck of cards in half <laughs> with their bare hands and takes a coffee table and throws it across the room. And we go, we all do a slow clap to honor you. Um, their relationship turned out to be so fucking touching. And he himself turns out to be a saint and an angel <laughs> that we will be contacting to get on this podcast because now I'm obsessed with him. So RBG has the cancer she has the chemo meanwhile no one knows except her clerk that she's going through 5,000 bouts of radiation she loses weight she loses muscle mass she loses bone density she's 80 and she's she's already has one bone one bone basically the size of like (laughs) our femur exactly her whole body is the size of our femur she you could hold her like the chameleon (laughs) I showed you in the picture she's a tiny tiny thing and she's frail she feels like shit she she's and she says when interviewed because people became curious about this whole thing with her workout 
that what had happened. Well, the short of the long of it is that this guy, Brian Johnson, was in the military for a million years and he got into fitness. The fitness, he then he got certified. He's like a major certified fitness guy, the trainer, blah, blah, blah. He gets involved with political people, um, judges in particular. He's what? Not, what he's, a strange niche. It's a very strange niche. Like he's helping this one. They're like, my ass is flat. I'm on a bench all day. <laughs> yeah. I got to get some glutes. Oh, apparently Kagan lost weight <laughs> and fucking. Okay. So <laughs> the judge, the Supreme Court judges have their own gym. Not not really shocking. If you were to not think shocking. About the fact that it's used. I find that a little surprising. <laughs> yes. I must say. So this guy is referred to her. She needs someone to help her get her strength back. Whatever they meet. It's it's whatever. He's six feet something. She's four feet something. Yeah. They come from two different worlds, whatever. She becomes obsessed with him. Won't ever stop working out with him. The guy fucking nurses her back to health she, to the when she was by the even though she died when she was um, 85 or whatever, she could do 20 push ups. She could do. Oh my God. I cannot do 20 push-ups okay this is what this guy did so people are like i want to do 20 push-ups sir so he's become this thing he then he then gets contacted by a publisher who's like we all the through the grapevine heard that rbg has been working out and she's like looking and feeling great i'm sure like grown men like chris christie were like i can't even do 20 push-ups i need i need the gators uh, personal trainer you'd think but guess he never called so they ask him if he wants to write a book about basically her workout. And he's like, I don't know. And he goes to her and he's like, and he calls her justice. He called, that's what he calls her justice. Justice. Do you want to, they came to me with this book. I don't know if you feel weird about it, but right. Cause it felt whatever. like probably, ex I don't want to exploit you. Yeah. Which like all in and of itself makes you want to have him hold you. Yeah. So she, she's not sure she doesn't want it to be weird for her for the court she's all obsessed with everything it's all about the court yeah like a parent you know it's like you need to uphold the your responsibility yes. not look like a big douche being exactly. like it's time for the step and repeat right. go into the premiere tonight like no right, right. she so, probably had that feeling of like i'm a cancer survivor i'm of a certain age mm -hmm. she was always trying to help women yep you know be she like was. you're strong you can do it like yep. i'm not surprised an 85 year old if uh, anyone Yep. Her could do 20 push-ups the year that she died because she was constantly defying the odds doing things everything human beings can't do. Yep, exactly. So she lets him do the book and he's like he the way he he says he's like, I'm so touched. Like he was so touched that the book that he, they could do the book. And it ultimately was called like the RBG workout. Like it's her workout. And what's the cover? Is it like is it like them? Like she's like in a like a headband straddling like a weight bench or what it's her like the, oh, it's the, oh, the it's, rbg so it's, workout how she stays strong and you can too so it's animated which is cute now right. what is she holding in her hands because i'm just you gonna tell those, you it looks to me i understand that i'm looking through a certain lens like a giant martini <laughs> now which is interesting being <laughs> that it's those those uh, elasticy things that you can pull oh like those pulleys that are right. like triangles right okay when she does her workout, she always would wear a shirt that says Super Diva, and he always calls her Justice. And to the to the end, and he he just loved her so much, and she loved him so much, and she said that 
she would become so obsessed with her work and of course after her husband died and she just didn't want to let anything go and she would stay up all night reading um, decisions and briefs and all of this stuff and she she basically said like I just wouldn't ever let any of that go but when it comes to meeting my trainer two or three times a week I'll drop everything to see him and I just think their relationship is so cute and touching and sweet and he's so sweet and he has, he's helping so many people. So if we had to spend the week watching this funeral and being sad and it is a huge loss, at least we had this moment to hold on to of true, authentic friendship, admiration and respect. So there's that. That's it for this episode of Dumb Gay Pandemic Politics. Thank you guys for listening. We love you all so much. And we are so grateful for all 14 of you, especially now. Please consider joining our Patreon podcast if you haven't yet. It's $1 for one podcast a week and $2 for two podcasts a week. They're both an hour and lately they've been a hot fucking mess. But hey, guess what? There's no politics, no ads, no Trump, no structure, no stress. And best of all, no fucking pressure to join the Patreon. We don't even talk about joining the Patreon. Don't. Oh, my God. We never even say the word Patreon. I don't know if you'll even recognize us if we're not bugging on about the Patreon. That's right. So go to patreon.com slash dumbgaypolitics to sign up. And if you're still on the fence when you get there, scroll down to the episode from September 11th. It's unlocked and free for you to try out. There's also an unlocked one from earlier in 2019 called No Shirts Off in My Class, Sir, Please. Uh, If you feel like you need to hear another free one before you take the leap. But eventually we're going to wear you down because we're never going to stop bugging until you join. And once you do, you'll never again have to wonder what it's like to be part of the dumb gay pandemic known as our Patreon. And as always, it's been real and it's been fun. But mostly it's been gay and it has been dumb. And Mr. B. Oh, my God. Mr. B. Get a room, you two. <laughs> How'd you do, I? See, you've met my faithful hand in hand. He's just a little broad dime because when you knocked, he thought you were the candy man. Don't get strung up by the way I look Don't judge a book by its cover I'm not much of a man by the light of day But by night I'm one hell of a lover I'm just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania Let me show you around and maybe play you a sign. You look like you're both pretty groovy. Or if you want something visual, that's not too abysmal. We could take in an old Steve Reeves movie. I'm glad we caught you at home. Could we use your phone? We're both in a bit of a hurry. Right. 
We'll just say where we are, then go back to the car. We don't want to be any worry. Well, you got caught with a flat world. How about that? Well, babies, don't you panic. By the light of the night, it'll all seem all right. I'll get you a satanic mechanic. I'm just a sweet transvestite. From transsexual Transylvania. <laughs> Why don't you stay for the night? Night. Or maybe a bite. Night. I could show you my favorite obsession. I've been making a man. With blonde hair and a tan And he's good for relieving my tension I'm just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania Hey, hey, I'm just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania So, come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. I see you shiver with anticipation. But maybe the rain is really to blame. So I'll remove the cause. <laughs> But not the symptom. <laughs> <laughs> 